0: before we begin we have a favor to ask if you like this podcast please help us spread the word about the show go to apple podcasts and rate and review the show another way is to tell a fellow art teacher either way it helps others find the show the blocks paper scissors podcast has a lot of information regarding teaching art not just for tab teachers but for anyone who is looking to further their understanding of children in a choice-based classroom. This show is about finding new ways to engage children and help them find their voice through visual arts. to be back in the studio finally
1: absolutely
0: i don't know how many days i don't know how many podcasts list how many days it's been they've been back in the studio but here we are back in the blocks paper scissors studio which is now my classroom It's <laughs> a great or my studio. studio it's big i'll put pictures up once it's cleaned up a little bit
1: i was marveling at all the wonderful stimu- stimulating uh images and uh uh, features, visual features here in the room that uh, promote uh, independent thinking and creativity and discovery learning.
0: It's a work in progress.
1: <laughs> it's a great place to hang out, especially if you're a kid.
0: Yeah, hopefully. All right. Welcome everybody to the Blocks, Paper, Scissors podcast. My name is Clark Fralick.
1: And I'm Clyde Gaw.
0: And today I thought we would kind of revisit a topic we've talked about before uh off and on and uh, called quality and we did have a conversation earlier we did but we had a little technical issue and
1: we had some marvelous uh, discussions with a group of our colleagues uh, from our uh, big facebook forum and um So sad to say that we had a technological glitch, uh, of which I am at fault, and um, it all happens. We lost that conversation. I lost it.
0: We didn't lose it. We still had the conversation. We just didn't record it.
1: (laughs) We, (laughs) we had the record signal was on, uh, on on my computer, but uh, something went amiss. Uh, in in the whole process of it and um I regret to say that I lost it
0: It's okay as a as a great philosopher gentleman and scholar said it's all good <laughs> it's all good it's all good uh, uh, so quality uh, a lot of times as teachers transition into tab mm-hmm. or, people are interested in TAB, one of the things that they always bring up is the sudden shift in quality of student work. There is a logical explanation for that, and it all, I think, comes down to, as you're going from, let's say, your ideas, which are adult-based, And surrounded in the adult aesthetic.
1: And a particular kind of art also, which is gallery art, museum art.
0: Since most of the lessons are based around those type of ideas, Mm -hmm. they're not coming from the child. You know, children are, humans are hardwired to create.
1: Absolutely. We're born with hands. Right.
0: And then as we as we go through the developmental process of our education. You know, it's seen a lot now with social media as we see what other people are doing. And then we want kids to be able to do that. Right. So we control the whole process. We want our
1: kids to do that, too. We want them to have this outcome experience.
0: Right. We assume, you know, the story that we tell ourselves is that since I like it.
1: The kids will like it. The
0: kids will like it. Uh, And then, but when we switch to tab, we give up that control. We are not in charge of ideas in the studio because the students are in charge of the ideas in the studio. And that's a more democratic approach to learning.
1: No question.
0: I think at first there's a shock because you're not used to it. You know, I'm ashamed of the way I used to teach, and I know you've mentioned that you've been kind of embarrassed of some of the things that you've done, Um, but, you know, as you transition into TAB and you start giving away some of that control, hopefully it will liberate you as a teacher and liberate the students for their art making.
1: When I reflect back on my years of teaching, when I began teaching, thinking about The methods that I was using, I think I was being too authoritarian uh, because that was what the schools I taught in also expected from me. They wanted equal outcomes for every student. Uh, They wanted the same outcome. Everybody experiencing the same thing and that's a part of standardized education is the outcomes are standardized and ex- the expectation is everybody will experience this level of standardization and uh, standardized excellence. But in fact, the problem with standardized education is that uh, you, can, you can standardize an outcome, but the experience is affected by the unique conditions, physiological, psychological, emotional, intellectual of the child. The thing that standardized education doesn't get, I think, is the the, uh, uniqueness, the unique situation of each and every child that comes into the classroom. So even though I, we could produce wonderful outcomes that looked, for the most part, like they, we were h- hitting all the, uh, the buttons for uh, achieving excellence. I was missing the input of the child, and, uh, and so uh, they were not given a chance to, to come up with their own ideas back in, in my old days of teaching. And you were you were there, you and I, when we were team teaching, our g and our gifted and talented class. You, we were running like a, a Beaux Arts French uh, studio, you know, back f- from the uh, the nineteenth the, century, uh, uh, a like a uh, uh, an academic studio class uh, that um, uh, the the French. Uh, uh, romanticists might have, uh, or uh, the, uh, uh, the, the academic painters uh, would have studied in. And that was just totally inappropriate for uh, our young students. Um, they were compliant uh, but we totally missed providing them with experiences of, of generating their own problems to express. What I was running was more like a, uh, an art mill and and so i've i've all of my former students some of them thrived in that environment because i had set up everything for them but i know a lot of them didn't particularly care for it and and i apologize
0: one of the things that you know you mentioned are our, our upbringing and getty was doing their big push with discipline based art education
1: yep Millions you know, of millions of dollars put into DBAE, I, sh- I should add, and they were right. that, that uh, DBAE was funded by the Getty Foundation, and also uh, conceived by academics.
0: Yeah. And at the time, you know, as we were drinking Kool Aid, so to speak, there was an understanding that you know we wanted to elevate the arts equal as math language arts and those things so the backstory was we want to elevate the arts
1: right and and justly so because you know everything in society is visually communicated particularly and we don't do enough education through the visual Um, everything is text-based verbally based uh in in schools today for the for the very most part Uh, But if you look at mass media, at the uh, environment, uh, the landscape in which we live in, it's all visual. Everything is visually. And particularly, like, if you're watching television media or computer-based media, everything is visual. Pop-ups, oh my gosh, the video, the photography, the animation, it's all visual. It's all
0: to grab your attention. And that's what everything now is is geared toward harnessing your attention, your eyes, your mind to do this or to buy this. Yep. We lost our focus along the way and just we start thinking, well, this is this is what our national organization is selling us. And so we probably should be looking at that and doing that. We also forgot about the child in the process because... School systems are basically compliant factories. We teach kids to follow the rules, to walk in straight lines, sit in rows. And we're always telling kids what to do.
1: And and when when we when we criticize schools, we're not doing it out of meanness or spiteness. We're doing it to illuminate for illumination. We're our, not. Our we're criticisms. Not. Some people I've been accused on social media forums that I'm just a critical old geezer uh, who doesn't like my colleagues, but my goal is for uh, to illuminate what the system is, and uh, and and legislation has been wrought down on schools on school folk uh administrators, teachers that you know this is the way schools are today because of the legislation, national and state legislation and the influences of outsiders and I'm talking about uh, people who uh, would like schools to be more efficient like a business and um, and and the the child is forgotten in this whole process uh, they're, their uh uh ideas and you know we the you know the efficiency movement has done a lot to damage uh schools today and and as teachers uh, you know it's uh, we need to continue to speak out and say this is wrong we see the daily damage we see the uh uh, was it peter gray had, had said in a recent Uh, conference, that um, anxiety and depression is up uh, since the 1950s. It's gone up tenfold in society, and it starts in school.
0: Right, and I think a lot of it has to do with the standardized, the high-stakes testing, all the testing that happens to nine- and ten-year-olds. You know, testing doesn't teach. Testing is merely a snapshot, and but when you tie federal funds jobs to those tests you are um you're kind of pigeonholing that teacher that school that corporation into complying with a set of curricula uh, in order you know we're teaching to the test because we want the test scores to be good
1: The tests skew curricula; they skew it because now, because of the tests, the curricula has to be uh, a a uh, a preparation experience for the test because so much is at stake. Right.
0: We're and then, but then we're taking away from a child's right to learn what they're interested in. Right. We are we are teaching to a child. We're not. The child isn't learning. We're teaching too. We are constantly you know, throwing things at them. And, yeah, kids are going to be disengaged. They're 7-, 8-, and 9-year-olds.
1: They're, they're not— uh, it's, it, it's, it's not
0: developmentally appropriate for them to do a lot of this stuff. In that, a
1: democratic society, it's the worst way to educate children. Who will later on become democratic, supposedly free citizens, uh, but the education is certainly not. They're they are not liberated in the school setting. They are uh, they are uh, controlled and structured around uh, test preparation.
0: Yeah, back to quality. You know, so we are in this system of um, constant compliance, and everything is. Regimented. This is how it should be. This is what it should look like. And, you know, we grew up in that era of having visual exemplars. You know, here, this is what it means to be successful. Or, you know, here's a rubric. If you get these four things or these three things, that's a success. But there are kids who can do that and not learn squat they can um you know because they have other ideas they have you know so when kids are in our studios and they're making art and you know we look at it and we don't see it doesn't meet our aesthetic um bar and so there's a there's a cognizant dissonance there it's like oh you know we always want to tell well how can you improve this maybe maybe it doesn't need improved because again we're we have to honor the child we have to honor their ideas and we have to honor their process
1: right their process is so critical uh and helping them uh expand their process Is even more critical and uh, and thinking about just one single child uh, once they have developed a process and ideas for uh, self-expression and visual exploration you know helping them to expand and continue uh, their uh, their development through that creative process that's a big deal And that singular child is unique from everybody else. And so our tasks as teachers are incredibly important and incredibly difficult because we deal with so many unique individuals and personalities and cognitive dispositions and physiological dispositions, and their environments are all unique and different. And so um, as teachers, our our, cognitive, our calling is—it's—it's um, not—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not easy, but it's critical for the for uh, the child to experience a positive uh, educational. Uh, I want to say uh, a, a positive experience.
0: Yeah, in in a in a supportive environment, you know that's one of the key things that a tab studio offers is. An environment where they are free to come in and express their ideas, no matter what they might be. You know, if you know Johnny is or Susie is interested in drawing guns, they're going to draw guns now, or they're going to make guns out of cardboard, or they're going to make guns out of a block, or you know. And so we get into that. There's a little bit of play element in there as well. Yeah um
1: the so so. the reasons they may be interested in guns could be numerous maybe they're they come from a family of hunters they have um uh, they are interested in in historical battles and wars and uh um or they're interested in becoming uh, law enforcement or maybe their parent is a law enforcement uh involved in in that profession. Maybe
0: Um, they're just interested in guns. Maybe they like the way they look. Maybe they're just curious. It's okay to be curious. Yes. A lot of times as adults and teachers, we shy away from some of those more difficult conversations about death, about racial things, or swastikas, or, you know, all this stuff that the kids are exposed to outside of the studio. That's going into their systems, you yeah. know, and now they have to figure out a way to make sense of it all.
1: having complicated conversations, as William Pinar would say, is essential for um the education of the self and for the individual to develop their identity and and um uh, so. The tab art room is the perfect place for those kinds of conversations to take place, and and it's essential for children to have inputs and lengthy discussions with the teacher and with their classmates. So dialogue is an important part of this entire process, uh, and and um, uh, you know we have them regularly in in our classroom, and so we we don't want to suppress free speech Uh, as uh, I may have been guilty of in my early days when I told everybody it was important to be quiet so that uh, everybody could focus on the singular task that I had devised for them. Uh, Now my classroom is totally 300, you know, 180 degrees different from what it used to be and I, I, you know, back to the idea of quality, I think uh, the other part of art, art uh, history that is underlooked, overlooked, is the, the, the art of outsider artists. And that term outsider artists is controversial because everybody is an artist. And, and uh, you think of professional artists and academic artists and uh, professional artists, they create a, uh, a w- works of art that are saleable. and, and so you know uh, much of much of art that is emulated in like a DBAE classroom would be like collectible art or outsider art is t- t- totally different. Uh, when you look at when from from my studies of outsider art and, and I'm and I'm using the term outsider art as it was originally mentioned and documented back when when the art of folks in mental institutions uh, or the, the work of uh, of uh, children. Um, uh, well, not
0: formally trained. Yes, not formally trained in not in art. An academic or, you know, formally trained as a as a artist assistant or something like that, you know, but just someone who creates, creates for the the love of creating art.
1: Exactly. And 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 this gets back to the art therapy the therapeutic aspect of art when it's done this way where the, the where the the child is in control of the materials, the methods, the process, and the the timeline also. And so the uh, whole experience, the the person is invested psychologically, emotionally in it. Uh, And so that's a critical component to uh, art experience uh, that I was totally missing in my former days that I'm still very sad that I made my former students endure um, and I'm happy that I met you and met Kathy and Diane and was able to switch uh, well it's a journey
0: ago. we're all still learning I think that as we look at quality especially me as I teach the, the younger kids it, it is a journey I can't expect a six-year-old to create something as quality as a forty-year-old or a fifty-year-old. Right? They just they don't have the uh, gross motor skills to do it. And once I think once a teacher who's moving to tab, once they really believe that, once they get over that hump, and it's it's one of those little hurdles that we all go through, and they start really appreciating. A child's vision, a child's process. Because if you think about the child and you really honor that child as an artist, when you look at their artwork, it is, you know, their work is just as important and carefully done to their needs right. as you would do. To you, it might look like a mess. The child doesn't see that mess they see order in that chaos and so that's why when we talk to kids and and again child's art is very ephemeral to children you know we as adults put criteria and we latch it onto a child's artwork that it should be permanent you know and child's art is not permanent how many parents have saved all their kids artwork the food sculptures. I'm just as guilty. I have all this artwork from my kids that they made when they were growing up, and I've had to go through and, and get rid of all the, the Cheerio frames and things. You know, the the crafts that they made in preschool because there's nothing left of them. That, <laughs> the little creatures have gotten a hold of them. But you know, the paper's all yellowing. Mm-hmm. That's just it's not going to last forever. You know, it gives you a little snapshot of what the the child was thinking about it at the time, and then they move on. They, they were curious about dinosaurs. Now they're curious about something else. We've all had that experience in our classroom when we're passing artwork out. You know, They'll pull out artwork from their portfolio, and they're like, I didn't make this. At that time and place when they made it, they were in a certain mindset. Six months and now, that mindset is gone, and it has nothing to do with where they were six months ago. So right. they have no recollection of what they made, you know, understanding that children's art is definitely ephemeral to them. Yes. And and that we are the ones who are attaching value to that piece of artwork.
1: Thinking about adult ideas about children's art and that they should emulate saleable art, as you just spoke about, during the process of authentic art making, also involves children having a voice and a, a say and what they're doing, they're, they're also influenced uh, during this ephemeral experience. Uh, they're in, influenced also by their subconscious, not just their conscious, but their subconscious. Having opportunity to work from the subconscious with respect to the impulsive aspect of, of uh, authentic art making having that opportunity to engage the subconscious. Uh, Because back to what Robert Motherwell uh, had said about his work is, you know, how do you express the inexpressible? How do you express the inexpressible? And that might be the most important thing for a child to do with respect to making art related to their own uh, their own life, their, their existential world that they inhabit. How do you express the inexpressible? And having that opportunity to express the inexpressible uh, as opposed to being confined and constricted by uh, an adult's ideas of what your art should look like in the end. That's the difference between authoritarian education and uh, democratic education. And honoring the back to honoring the individual, so ideas of quality. We ha- I think it's important for art teachers who are involved in tab involved in choice involved in child directed art, to have opportunities to educate their administration, fellow colleagues, parents, and the general public about the importance of uh, honoring the idiosyncratic nature of the child, because that's where we're going to strike educational gold.
0: Perfect way to wrap it up. I think that's a good place to stop because okay. um, there's so, so many things that we could go into and maybe at another time, you know, just thinking about the art-making experience and how that builds the brain and develops the brain, all the, all these synapses that are that are connecting. But I do want to go on and talk about what's happening for the rest of the summer I know that my June is pretty much filled up with TAB Institute for yep. the first couple of weeks in July. Yep. Uh, and that's virtual this year, and that's that's going to be another learning experience for everyone as as we go virtual this year. Hopefully it'll be back in person next year.
1: I think in person's much more fun, but we'll, we're going to do a bang-up job with virtual experience do the best we can. Yeah,
0: I think it'll be good. And then after that, there's so much going on. Tab stock's coming up at the end of July, and I think that's all full now, if I'm not mistaken.
1: That'd be wonderful. That's wonderful. Meet
0: Um, some new people and uh, build collegiality out in the woods and blueberry fields.
1: That's always a good time, tab stock. Yep. Um, We'll have some campfire coffee and lots of good conversation. And some informal learning, and uh, also uh, who knows what surprises and what stories will be told, and what surprises will will we uh, experience out there? I know and there's going to be some hand, lots of hands-on opportunities, also. It's all good. It's one of the
0: best professional developments I've ever been to or being a part of, and I know that Lisa and Candy they all do they do a bang up job. Oh,
1: unbelievable.
0: So that's that's coming up. What was I gonna say? There was something else. You just
1: got. You just finish up with two summer camps. Are you? How are you feeling? You you look healthy.
0: <laughs> I'm rested. We had uh, we had a killer blocks, paper, scissors art camp. We. Had, I was uh, not there this year. Two sessions. I know.
1: You had Mrs. Dawn Lowe. Yeah. Was was there in my in my uh, stead?
0: She took care of the 2D room, the painting, and the. Although she did do some plaster work that the kids enjoyed. Um, That was the quiet side.
1: (laughs) Who was in charge of the noisy side? That would be me.
0: (laughs) We had about 50, 52, 53 kids in the afternoon session. Oh, my goodness. Most of them boys. And they like to build
1: things like helmets, (laughs) swords, guns. Well, they're into historical reenactment.
0: No, they just wanted to build stuff. And they had time
1: and space to I, do it. I wonder where they got their ideas from.
0: I don't know. So, well, we'll wrap it up. we got so much more to do. I'm so glad to be back to have these conversations, sharing with the people.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. And uh, looking forward to all the exciting things coming up this summer.
0: Absolutely. So, thank you all for listening. And Clyde, do you have anything you to say?
1: Uh, happy to be back in Indiana after a long three week trip out west. Looking forward to seeing folks at the Tab Institute and uh, Tab Stock everywhere else.
0: Yep, we're back in the saddle. It's all good. Till next time.
1: We'll see everybody later.
0: All right. See ya.